G'day, my name is James Baldwin and welcome to Australia's favourite Formula One podcast, Oz F1. Well, there's only a few weeks left to go now before racing in 2020 finally gets underway, but there is a lot going on in the paddock that we can still talk about. So if you're joining us for the first time, g'day and welcome along. If you're joining us again, please do consider subscribing. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, we would love to hear from you. So do leave us a review. We'll give you a shout out next time around. Now let's get into it. And I'm joined as always by my friends and yours are two Thomas's, Tommy T, Thomas J. Camp. Boys, a big hello to you. How you doing? Good. How are you? Well, mate, and yourself? Uh, thank you so much for asking, Thomas J. Camp. I am doing very well indeed. Uh, <laughs> thank you for, for greeting me oh, so oh, formally. Look, to be honest, I don't really care how you are. It's just a nice thing to say. <laughs> it's just something you say. <laughs> it's so nice really that you talk, to those, you talk to those unemployed people uh, so kindly. <laughs> Uh, it's very nice of you to do. Well, boys, it's been a, it's been an interesting last couple of weeks, as we know. Um, we've had a hell of a lot of more people listening to this podcast as a result uh, of the McLaren prediction. Uh, so, congratulations on becoming Formula One experts. We've made it. Hello. We've made it from a, alleged to apparent experts. Oh, at least oh, that's what I'm saying. Oh, allegedly, not know much. <laughs> <laughs> not know anything. Uh, uh, that's true. Can I also give a big shout out to Campy's auntie? Um, before we started recording the podcast, uh, he did say indeed that he uh, was going to think about not swearing in the next ten years. <laughs> well, honey, um, Mark, and I he's love thought you about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, honey, Mark, I love you dearly, but look, if you're going to be a regular listener, listen to the whole thing every week. I'll tone it down, but if you're not, no, I'm, I'm sticking with what the wind formula right here. <laughs> Uh, I was having fun with it. Everything is made up and really nothing matters. That That is true. Uh, but, boys, uh, we are only a couple of week, weeks away from Formula 1 actually getting underway. There's been so much drama and controversy in the last couple of weeks, and I still have to remind myself that we haven't actually had a Grand Prix yet. We didn't even have a, a good-looking warm-up to a Grand Prix in Australia. It's just – this is bloody ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. been interesting – it's been an interesting time, but the good news is the European calendar looks to be confirmed this week. So we can say that for sure, July 5th, we've got an I Austrian did, Grand I did Prix. See, I did say the Dutch Grand Prix is officially cancelled, not being rescheduled at all as well, which is a shame for yes. the Max Verstappen fans out there. Mm. Well, is it though? Because I think Zantvoort, the reason why they cancelled is because they couldn't have any fans there. And so... Realistically, probably like, much like Vietnam, they would want the first time around, at least in the new layout, to have as many fans as possible there instead of yeah. <laughs> 10 fans wrong. socially distancing around the circuit. <laughs> Good luck. Whatever stupid rules they'll have next time for that. Uh, but it looks like the calendar sits at July 5th, as I said, for the Austrian Grand Prix. Um, this The 12th of July, uh, Austria 2. Uh, yes. The nineteenth of two July, Max wins it on the trot. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? Because we've got Austrian confirmed for two, and um, Silverstone's con- confirmed for two. Thinking about how this is all sitting, and indeed what is a very, very shortened season for 2020, there is a lot of 
opportunity for Max Verstappen to actually have a good crack at this. And the more yeah. I see the calendar, the more I think about it, and the more I think about him as a driver and what he's been doing preparation-wise, which seems to be a good mix of sim racing because he's always done that, as well as training and, and getting out there. He could actually be a real force right out well, of the blocks. Well, I'm looking at these European races. He's got genuine chances at both Austrian races. Austria races. Hungara ring suits the Red Bull too. And Spain, that would be, you know, so that's four out of, sorry, yeah, five out of the possible uh, 10-ish that I can see on the screen at the moment, which uh, which he's got a genuine chance to win. So it's good. Depending on what we have for the rest of the year, I still think Mercedes will dominate it. And Lewis Hamilton will go on to win his seventh. And But at least there could be some excitement. Mm. I like what Danny Rick said to BBC Radio 5 uh, last week. He said it's going to be a bit, bit of chaos when everyone gets back into it. But he's more talking about, I think, how drivers have been preparing. He goes on a little bit later in that interview to say uh, that a lot of the rookies won't really be able to jump straight back into it. Like veterans like he and Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri and Seb would be able to because they're kind of used to their body being challenged straight out of the get-go. Do you think then that sort of lends itself towards potentially someone like Danny Rick, who maybe in a fairly average midfield car, might be able to get some kind of edge over the younger drivers and even over someone like Albon who's might who might not be so used to it? I don't know. Hard to say. I think so much has changed now with the sim racing getting so much better that these guys know the track a bit better. You're right, probably the physical load they're probably not ready for, but... Yeah, the necks will be sore after the first night. Yeah, but I think genuinely they're trained so much better than when Danny Rick was coming through and even slightly before that. Like, these days, these guys have come through and they've been driving since they were children, like... Yeah, I don't... I think they'll be right. They'll be fine. These guys are... Look, they are the 21 best... Well, of the 20 drivers on the grid, you know, they're generally in the top... 50 in the whole world yep. at any one time, so I don't think it'll affect them at all. And I think having two Austrian races out of the gate is going to be really good for them just to get their eye in. So the first race, like Danny said, is going to be pretty chaos, but yeah. hopefully the second week everyone's kind of like, okay, getting a bit of an idea and they're going to have some numbers to hit some targets. It's going to be actual comparisons as opposed to just going to a new city, whole new track. You can't really make any gains. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm you're reminded, right. I'm, re, I'm reminded of Danny Rick's joke in that pref conference that year when he said, you know, I'm a bit more experienced, take my time, whereas Max, he just throws it right in there without even thinking too much. <laughs> <laughs> I think Max will still do that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I think I love that point, Tommy. It's going to be really interesting for teams to have a second crack at a Grand Prix uh, mm. and those sort of lessons learned. And as I said to you last podcast, you know, well, do you think there would be a difference in terms of who might come out on top? Well, maybe yes or no, but certainly in the midfield, um, with just being able to drive better, think about the corners more, and then have a second opportunity to do it again a week later, uh, yeah. a lot of that mid-pack will... You know, and they're not, they're hardly spread out by lots of seconds. They're talking about hundreds or thousands of a second a lot of the time in the middle there. So it's going to be really interesting, I think. And I mean, I just want to see Danny Rick up there. Not that I really care about Renault, but it would be nice to see him close in the sort of top six um, for the first race. Sneak a podium, we'd be bloody happy. Oh, mate, his target was a podium this year. I think if he gets a podium, anything, anything other than that's a bonus, yeah. really. 
I want to see him on yep. the podium for qualifying and in a race this year. I think that's realistic. That's his goal. Well, it's not realistic, really, but it's, it's can happen. Can yep. happen. Realistic for Oz F1 because that's all we want is Danny Rick on the podium. Uh, well, boys, um, the, the big news, I guess, in the last couple of days has been Williams. Uh, not a surprise that they have been – yeah, well, looking for more cash. Uh, and it's been good that Rocket has decided to step out the way so Colgate can step in and sponsor the car now because that's the <laughs> obvious choice uh, to replace uh, that. How was Rich Energy's tweet last night? Oh, <laughs> Ken, look, if you haven't well, seen Rich, Rich Energy, yeah. yeah, Rich Energy back in 2018 <laughs> was a potential sponsor for Williams. And so to sort yeah, of bundle them up, they, Williams put – yes, correct. So Williams put that Rich Energy logo on the side of the car. If you're a fan of Formula 1, you would have already seen this all over uh, Reddit or Instagram or, or wherever you, you look at your memes. But uh, it was sort of like a, oh, no, here we go again. And yeah. not only – once, twice in the in the last three days, did uh, uh, our friend and yours, um, Thomas J. Camp, uh, who is apparently uh, the Rich Energy uh, senior stakeholder. I, I think um, that's I think he is. look. I think that's a good piece of guerrilla marketing right there. <laughs> <laughs> that would mean you have to have a product to sell. You have to have a product to sell to have good marketing, Campy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, but look, I mean, it's been an interesting time and obviously there was a lot of uh, headlines and um, misleading articles, as campy as you pointed out, as I was rapid firing a whole bunch of them <laughs> to you. But the it's it's quite, it's kind of bizarre. Williams is not a private company. It's on the uh, share market and it's had influences from people like Toto Wolf in the past and we know that and, um, and Stroll. And of course, we've got... Now, uh, they're dropping out of two of their major sponsors, including um, the beers as well. They're apparently funded for the rest of this year. But what does 2021 look like and beyond? And, of course, I mean, you can tie into talking about cost caps and we can get to that uh, in a little while. But does this go against everything that Frank Williams has ever stood for? Or is it actually more in favour of what Frank Williams has always done, which is just trying to get it all sorted out so he can go bloody racing? Stuff he's he's always said he doesn't want to sell off the team. It'll always be part of the family kind of thing. But then again, this is the way to keep it in the family to some degree. I mean, early days that guy's story about just wanting to go racing is incredible. About he's leveraging cash here, there, and everywhere, and it was touch and go whether he could go racing. You know, two weeks out, let alone the whole season, and he managed to get through it. And he's done some amazing things. So it is a shame to see it look like. It's a shame to see Williams sort of fall away. I think it, it gives you a, the money, the money numbers that they've put out as well. Like that, the whole operating budget for the whole year is about one hundred and forty million across all departments <sighs> of the racetrack. So you can see that it's that they're probably spending the least money out of any team that's uh, mm. in the paddock at the moment. It's a bit of a shame, but I've been super critical of Williams and the way they've run their off track design side and the on-track stuff. I mean, the pit crew seems to have it together pretty well. Yeah. He, they play up with the best of them, but that's all they're in control of. Everything else is sort of out of those mechanics' hands. Um, mm. I've been critical of management, and I just think it is a – just think this announcement that we've got is due to those poor things over a number of, you know, four or five years. Yeah, I think we've mentioned it before, but it feels like Williams has kind of got to the point where they're just waiting for new regs. 
and they're kind yeah. of like, they can't do much more. They're like, why are we going to bother? Why are we going to invest so much more into this? Unfortunately, those regs have been pushed back another year, plus all these kind of things, plus sponsorship leaving. They're just in a really unfortunate situation. I mean, and this COVID thing, yeah. whether, whether it's real or not, like it's got some genuine... <laughs> No, I mean, like, it is. Sorry, it is real, but it's got some <laughs> genuine tip. real. Here it comes. It's got some genuine real world issues for teams like Williams. This is probably yeah. the worst thing that could happen for them to not sp- sit half a year. Mm. You know, having to pay staff. I know a lot of them went on the furlough, and yeah. it's good to see that the British government isn't forking out money like our government and paying for people's wages. You'd play sort of out. Well, I think. Some works teams would be much more secure. Oh, totally. Whereas yeah. these kind of standalone teams are going to suffer much, much more because they can't go racing. There's not sponsorship dollars because their car's not being seen on TV, those kind of things. It's just it's a, it's a real follow-on effect and I think Williams is going to be hit the hardest. Yeah, I think and Claire Williams said it's not about the family putting Williams up for sale. It's about trying to secure the future for our team. I think maybe if you take a 10-year worldview – Take some money and some investment or some uh, the sale of the team. For now. For now. It's a cash injection. There'll yep. be a deal done on the other side of it with options to buy it back. Yep. Re- providing that they hit certain. a return cert- on investment. Yeah, there's a yeah, return right. on investment for the investors and providing that um, they hit some key, KPIs, some on KPIs on track in the next yep. five or six years. So, look, we, look, you don't want to see them leave. That would be a shame. But-, but- of you any sport know. in the world, this is probably one where cash is king, like genuinely. A lot of yeah, other so sports true. have salary caps and things. This is kind of the one where if you don't have the right amount of money, you will not win. It's very hard to do it. Like we've had a few instances where the underdog can kind of punch up, but very, very, very rare. Maybe they should just, just start a televangelical channel on uh, Williams F1 <laughs> TV. Ask for money or something. Start a Church of Frank. <laughs> Church of Frank. <laughs> Barney a plane. <laughs> uh, but you're right, Tommy. Look, I think the the whole money thing is has become really, really hard for a lot of these teams to to look at, which is why talking about the cost cap reduction, which has now just been approved, by the way, by the FIA. Um, well, that's the worst, means, worst kept secret. Yeah, correct. <laughs> that uh, means that we're likely to see more uh, competition of the front. Look, we have spoken at length about what the regulation changes look like for what were they were going to look like for 21. Now it's the same for 22. In terms of the actual money that can be invested now, I mean, it's gone from 175 down to 145 and it's likely to keep going down and down again. What this does though, is it starts to bring more teams onto the same kind of playing field. Now, obviously mm. people like Ferrari and Mercedes have been dominating this sport for quite a long time, Red Bull before them and, and all behind that has been a massive amount of money. This then hopefully will excite potential investors into Williams, into coming in and taking part of that Williams Grand Prix Holdings company, mm. uh, the parent to Williams. But, I mean, it's, it's happening now. The Stroll Consortium buying out Force India, turning into Aston Martin and, and everything else going on with that too is an incredible view that there is still a hell of a lot of interest in the sport of Formula One and it's not sort of dying or becoming, you know, this this backward-looking sport like everyone potentially yeah. was thinking when Formula E started. In fact, Formula E have just dropped off and, and then who really cares? Um, 
But anyway, that's all to come, and I'm sure Campy will give us a very technically in-depth, good look at what that all means uh, in his next very, very informative podcast that he does by himself. Um, <laughs> a bit of a bit of interjection for an Australian point of view, lads. Uh, this week, uh, the Ferrari Driver Academy has announced that they're partnering up with Motorsport Australia um, to open an academy here in well, here in Australia, but in Sydney specifically, uh, which is also for this part of the world because I think it's always been a... Uh, well, because that's where the, the Sydney, well, it's all the motorsport, the hub of motorsport is in Sydney, apparently, according to Not Motorsport really. Australia. I mean, they, they're wrong. They don't have an uh, F1 race. They don't have a MotoGP <laughs> race. They've got one good track in Bathurst. The rest of them are shitty street circuits around Homebush <laughs> and Sydney Motorsport part sucks. Um, what do you really think? Mate, the, the, no, the Opera House <laughs> looks like the colour of it's like a brown shit. <laughs> Terrible, it's like this off-white brown, shit city, shit people. <laughs> There's nothing good about Sydney, just for our fans out there. In case you're wondering, we're in Melbourne. No, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Sydney is the worst place in Australia. <laughs> Full of plebs. Except, except man, Bondi sucks too. Manly's, Manly's good. I like Manly, but Bondi, man, biggest shit I'll ever... Are we on Getaway or what? <laughs> this is the worst review. Sorry. No, another poor decision by Ferrari, wasn't it? Oh, I can see a show. We'll have a spin-off. Campy's big break. He can take over from Coxie. Coxie. We'll be like, uh, who's, who's that Outback Adventures guy? What's his name? Russell Coyne. <laughs> Campy just telling you about shit cities, not good ones. <laughs> yeah, we'll go to Mount Isa or something. <laughs> oh, oh, out of control. Oh, what? Oh. <laughs> I, I look forward to really the. Wrong. I look forward to the Thomas J. Camp Driver Academy opening in Melbourne. <laughs> No, not at all, mate. I'm just reading what's in front of me. So you're just, just you dumbing your right private schoolboy from the Sydney's Northern Beaches, James. Remember that time when this was a podcast about Formula One? That's mentality me comes either. from, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of the people. <laughs> Are you good? All right, we're well, digressing. I look forward to you opening all of your positions uh, to the general public to apply for the Thomas J. Camp Driver Academy, which will open in Albert Park in 2021. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able you'll be able to drive uh, an old school Commodore. That's it. That's the only thing. Uh, yeah, the, the VR, all, the VR, a VR Commodore. Right, great. With all the seats removed. <laughs> yeah, massive subwoofer. Uh, Anyway, what I was going to say is that it's a good path for Australian drivers to be considered into the sport of Formula yeah. One via Formula Four. There's obviously a lot of competition that goes on between that, but there has always been a hard road for people like Danny Rick and Mark Webber and uh, even others who sit in the V8 supercar category now that potentially could have made it into Formula yeah. One if they had chosen that, that James um, angle. That- James, James Courtney, Courtney he, des- he was destroying, in his junior categories, he was destroying guys like Fernando Alonso and Lewis. So. But until now, you've had to go as a child and go live over in Europe. 
And you yeah, can't correct. do that. This is an opportunity. But it's just the realities of yep. the size of our country and the population that it has on a world scale. Yep. We don't have the population or the money flowing around to, just, <laughs> to support such hobbies like we do. Jeez, we punch above our population, oh, don't we? Don't we? <laughs> Oh, isn't that that's nice, isn't it? Look at that. But it's a it's a good it's a good step forward though, I think, for from an Australian point of view that someone like Ferrari goes, All right, we're gonna invest some money down there and you know, I mean, not that you really want to be part of the Ferrari Driver Academy. You'd rather be part of like Mercedes or Red Bull or maybe not even Red Bull, maybe just Mercedes or McLaren. And then maybe nope. just McLaren and not Mercedes. In fact, basically what you need to do is uh, just forget about it completely because <laughs> it's just not it, going to happen because Daniel Ricciardo is going to be there forever. Well, it just it goes really well. It goes hand in hand with the new F5000 category, the single-seater category, which yep. is based on the F2 chassis with a different motor. But the kids racing in that, that'll be the preeminent, you know, proving ground for a lot of these totally. Australian kids that have ambitions to go to Europe and drive Formula 1 like the guys like Weber and Ricardo have done before them, Ferrari coming in and getting alongside that category and, mm-hmm. you know, watching that intently, I think that's a good thing for the sport, regardless of whether it's based in Sydney or not. And I think it's good. probably to do with we do have a good motorsport <laughs> community, but oh. it is at the moment just supercars because that's all we can do. Well, we, like if you look at like even our off-road 4x4 market in Australia, it yep. is the biggest off-road 4x4 modifications. Yep. You know, and that that look that's the biggest base in the world, sorry for that industry. That ties in with the V eight supercars and yep. all that stuff. They've got that category now where they're racing those trucks. I don't think it's a great category, but no, the people that are Central. into cars that are into V eight supercar, yep. it all ties into one. So we've got a pretty healthy Yeah. I know like even Supercross and Motocross in Australia is quite still underground, doesn't get a lot of commercial success, but the yeah. amount of participants Australia-wide is huge. So. Yeah, at a grassroots level, it's huge. Yeah. And yeah. this is what we need to change is that there needs to be more high-end motorsport, high-end karting for young kids, and this is going to be an opportunity for them to get into this. But at the same time, on a motorsport level around the world, we've got we've got Bathurst every year, which is beamed everywhere. Yeah. We've got F1, we've got MotoGP, and we've always got Australian participants on those world stages. For sure. Even in America with NASCAR, but I'm talking about specifically in Australia. Like yep. it's a pretty healthy place. So. Yeah, I think it's sense. good, and, and and it's also a good thing that the sport, as in Formula One itself, is getting a bit more of a following uh, as well, because people are starting to learn that it's not you know just cars going around in circles. There is a lot more to it, and I think actually from a Australian point of view, this whole thing with Daniel Ricciardo, because there's not been much else in the world of sport going on, that dominated a lot of the headlines in the night news kind of space. And so there's more people trying to find out about it, which which is great, I think, for, for the sport in, as a whole. So that's going to yeah. happen next year. Uh, we'll see, obviously, what comes from it because uh, people – it's not just necessarily Australian drivers. People from the region can come in as well. Now, boys, uh, and Campy specifically, because I know you, you want to talk about this in terms of Mercedes and – what is going on with Toto Wolf? There's rumours circulating around about him potentially moving across to uh, Racing Point come Aston Martin uh, and even Stroll to be coming into Mercedes. There's a lot going on, mate. Do you want to take us through what you've heard uh, on, you know, your very exclusive sources in Formula One? <laughs> Zero exclusive sources out there. <laughs> Just uh, my fingers on my iPad at the moment. That's all where my information comes up. No, yeah. he's you need to use your keyboard. <laughs> Sorry, my MacBook Pro to get it right. Jeez. That's an iPad. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, look, we spoke about this on the last podcast. Toto Wolf um, invested personally into the uh, the Aston Martin consortium. And there's a lot of rumours flying around at the time. I didn't really know what to make of it. Other than it was probably a good investment. Now, what has come out since is we've heard rumours about um, Mercedes F1 team actually not going racing. They'll be still an engine manufacturer, but the, as for the F1 team, that will possibly be sold, which Toto Wolf owns, I think it's 30% of. Is that right, mm-hmm. Jim? Yep. Yep. Um, but I didn't realise how much of a good friend he was of Lawrence Stroll either. Um, they must have had a bit to do with each other in the Tommy Hilfiger era when Tommy Hilfiger was sponsoring Mercedes. Mm-hmm. But there's been rumours that Toto Wolf will join. Um, sorry, the, the rumours are that Mercedes F1 as a team will be bought out or folded into the same umbrella organisation as as um, Aston Martin under the new consortium and the ownership of that. And Toto Wolf will be a non, I don't know the technical term, but he'll still be a team principal, but not technically. They'll have the title role essentially. Um, And Mercedes will no longer be racing. So like as a, as a, as a works team, as a works team, they'll still be a constructor. So, Look, Daimler's come out and said speculation regarding a potential withdrawal from F1 continues to be unfounded and irresponsible. But we've been hearing rumours of this for about nine months. So Mm -hmm. my only thought about this whole situation is is, um, when we hear rumours in the media, there's obviously some truth to it. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of the information that we hear about this stuff is quite far off. It doesn't necessarily eventuate, but these are some of the conversations that are happening behind Things closed said, yeah. behind closed doors at the moment. So this whole COVID-19, whether or not Daimler decides to pull out, we just don't know. They, have, they still haven't committed past 2021 mm-hmm. for the new regulations, and it could, we've spoken about the reason why McLaren went back to a Mercedes power unit for next year, and that was because... They've always been synonymous with each other, so if the works team pulls out, McLaren will then take that reign. Mm-hmm. But it may look like there'll be a two-horse race with Mercedes power units and it. it could be an Aston Martin-ish team and a McLaren team as well. So we're just waiting for confirmation on all this stuff at the moment, but mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more to be played out. Why do you think they're stepping back? Like <laughs> We've heard that they want to focus on Formula E and maybe some other avenues. Do you think it's that, that they want to there's a bigger market share to be had in Formula E as like the dominant team potentially or? Not not really. I think F1 will always remain the pinnacle of motorsport. I hope so. But Mercedes has traditionally not been in the world championship. They only got back in in 2010 or Mm -hmm. when when was it? When Schumacher made his return. So I think that was 2008. Since 2014, they've been the dominant team. Now, if they go on to win this year and possibly next year because we've got the same cars, not a lot's going to change on them for next year. You know, that could be nine on the trot. Why does, why does that organisation need to keep spending? We know how good they are. We know. Yeah. And Bernie's spoken about that as well. What's the point in continuing to return? Because Mercedes doesn't have the same racing heritage that a Ferrari has. Mm. The mm. Ferrari was built and the brand was synonymous with racing because that was what Ferrari Enzo wanted to do. Mercedes mm. is different. Mm. So there's some different mindsets there. So it wouldn't surprise me if they pulled out anyway. Mm. Well, and at this point, mm. you've got 
none of the drivers confirmed past this year. And of course, Toto Wolff still doesn't have any sort of solid plans. But of course, if that does happen and the consortium um, comes in and sort of takes ownership of 55% of uh, AMG or Mercedes AMG, then that secures Toto in the sport for probably many years to come, which he would want as well, uh, unarguably. And that would be a new challenge for him in terms of being able to look after properly a couple of teams rather than just the one. Someone else who's uh, come out basically swinging uh, is Renault, uh, confirming that they're staying in (laughs) Formula One as well. Uh, Not that anyone really cared um, compared to Mercedes, but uh, there's the interim CEO at the moment, um, and they've said that we have said publicly and we confirm that we remain committed to Formula One. The announcement of new regulations on spending limits is very good for us because we still have to invest less in this discipline than some of our competitors who spend a lot of money, obviously referring to someone like Ferrari and Mercedes. Now, this is kind of the attitude that Cyril had with Daniel in the end of 2018 and where they were looking to go and the development that was potentially going to be invested there. What country are they from again? Mate, Renault (laughs) Renault has just recorded their first annual loss in over a decade. Yep, and they've just cut 15,000 jobs. And this is my point. It's like, well, who's actually going to want to align themselves into that brand um, from anything, let alone buying the car or even racing for them? But, Mm. I mean, it's good that they want to continue to stay in uh, because that potentially means that uh, your boyfriend, um, Thomas J. Camp, means he can potentially (laughs) have a seat. My boyfriend. Nando. Did yeah, you not follow um, that at all? Sorry, mate. Yeah, I was just sorry. reading my notes and I didn't realise you were talking to me. I'm, you know. Max is already is Max is already taken. No, I'm still I'm still not sure how I feel about Fernando coming back. Okay. I'd like him to, but I don't want to see him go to a Renault. We don't want to see him at the back of the pack. That car's going to suck. Yeah. It's not going to be a world championship winning car. They've promised the world with that to Danny, and we've seen very, very, very little of that car being competitive. In saying that, though, they got it right in 06 and 07. Mm. And they, they knocked Ferrari off the perch. They did. That's very true. Could happen again. I mean, you look at the power unit that they gave to Red Bull from, you know, 2008 or whatever it is when they got out of the sport. I mean... They've got some good history in the sport, particularly in the last two decades. Um, yeah, I'm just still not sure I, I how I feel I think it comes down to the, the health of the parent company, though, because you can't have this flashy essential sales tool of Formula One that's not profitable, really, Yeah, when your parent company's drowning. I would love to get Lawrence Stroll in to talk and talk about why he's investing so heavily in this car market at the moment and what his plans are for it because I don't really, other than going completely battery operated or hybrid operated, I don't really see where the car industry is going. We know it's a massive industry worldwide, Mm. you know, probably trillions of dollars, but I don't really see where it's heading. There's no clear cut definition at the moment. Yeah, it's a good point. Previously we've seen in Formula One, that is where the technology for our road cars comes and I, but we've got years later. we've got that technology now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. We've caught up to you some know, degree we've to caught what up with Formula it. One cars. I think I don't think we're going to go fully electric anytime soon because you know you talk about the oil industry. And they're not just going to let car manufacturers go all electric and 
their whole business model falls off the, yeah. you know, the, the cliff Where we race. Some on, of the races towards the end of the season, yeah, exactly. You know, so I don't see it happening. I don't, I don't really understand, like, are we going to have 20 years of this hybrid, <sighs> hybrid era? I, I don't really understand where we're going. What we do know is that F1 is now an entertaining sport. Mm-hmm. They really want to entertain the fans. We know what they should be doing. Making the cars slicker and going back to screaming V tens, but yes, I mean here, here. who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to get in the head of those guys and understand where, it, like, the next ten to fifteen years looks like. Because mm. I, I think once those questions are answered to us, um, we will understand why why teams are committing to F one long term, why it's financially viable. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Look, might. but I mean, it, just taking it back to Fernando, though, I think also there's a, a little bit of a sense of relevance deprivation that he's got going on at the moment. You know, he he didn't win the Indy 500. It, Dakar wasn't all that great for him. Like he's smashed it at Le Mans, but he smashed it at Le Mans with two other phenomenal drivers in a really quick car. So realistically, there's there's this shroud of doubt around him and especially around his time in McLaren at the end. Is is it a good thing for him to come back? I mean, we said just before that, you know, Schumacher came in to Mercedes and it was woeful for that. At, at least maybe Fernando left in a terrible team, not as the world champion. But look, it could be good for uh, Renault and even Cyril has said that he's not discounting the fact that uh, Fernando is an option, especially if Liberty comes to the party with a bit of cash as well. Someone who hasn't, we haven't really spoken uh, much about Seb uh, or really heard much about him either since the whole driver market debacle a couple of weeks ago. There is more conversation though around, uh, and this is commentators like Ralph Schumacher saying things like it would, he only would go to a winning seat. So obviously something like Renault is out for him. Mercedes keeps getting banded around. Christian Horner's come out and said, well, you know, if Mercedes wants the headache of having two top tier drivers, whilst it'd be good for us to watch, that's a lot to take on. It's probably unlikely that they're going to want to take that on with everything else going on in the background. Uh, Campy, there could be some room, though, for Seb to potentially come into an Aston Martin space. Well, I don't think he's got to make a decision right now. Yeah. You know, it's March next year when the next season starts. Obviously, we've got this one to go. He might decide that he wants to leave, but he doesn't. he's got options at the moment. How how quickly those options close up, I'm not too sure. But I did read an article the other day that um, suggested that Toto Wolff had told Valtteri Bottas that he wants him to go to Renault for next year. Right. Which may be opening up a seat for Seb, but then if Seb takes that seat, it's going to be a two- or three-year deal, and that just doesn't make sense to me when, yeah. when they haven't locked down Hamilton past next year, although that will happen. Mm-hmm. Just can't see those two going toe to toe in the same car. It's just, I'm, yeah, I'm really not. Anyway, let's. I'll. Yeah, it, it's 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 an odd one. I think Mercedes is much more likely to go young with one of their junior drivers. Yeah, rather than take seven. I just can't. I can't see them committing to him for the contract length that he's going to want, as well. Considering they're not even con- <laughs> admitting they're going to be in the sport that long, so. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, he's he's still not that old and he's still got something to give. I think, I mean, there's the other option is sabbatical for him, but realistically, 
you know, he's probably looking at Fernando too and going, well, do I want to do that? So if he goes, he's going, right? I don't think there'd ever be him coming back. But even David Coulthard said, well, there could be some sort of management style option for him potentially through um, Aston Martin as well. And that that is certainly an interesting thing. Uh, boys, I want to just go through a couple of the drivers that we haven't heard much about uh, in the last couple of months because they've been overwhelmed Latifi. by everyone else. That's who you want to talk about, don't you? No. Who? Uh, I don't know who that is. <laughs> who? Uh, who? Uh, Valtteri Bottas is who I was going to go to because uh, Mika Hakkinen came out this week and said that he's fairly confident that Valtteri has has the ability to win the championship this year. Obviously, he hasn't been taking part in any of the sim racing or anything else, but you just mentioned before about... Ooh. You know, Tajo potentially could potentially wanting him to go to Renault, but the, I mean, as you say, there is a full season to run still. Valtteri still hungry, as we spoke about this ahead of the Australian Grand Prix. The fact that what he did last year on track was phenomenal. We could be seeing that again potentially, maybe not in Austria if it's a max-dominated uh, track, but certainly uh, looking at Silverstone. Yeah, look, he's he's got to put pressure on Lewis early. He's got to get a couple of wins early. Then he needs to play the mind games. Yeah. He needs to come out. We've spoken about it before. He needs to come mm-hmm. out and give those gut punches to Hamilton in the media. Early. Look, look, he's got pressure on him to be the GOAT, and he's not performing. He's cracking at the moment, mm. and I'm the guy to steal it from him. And if he does, be like Nico Rosberg did a few years ago. Get in his head. Mm. Lewis will eventually get it right at some stage and come out and drive like an absolute you man possessed. <laughs> you know, but you got to keep him napping. So, look, I think Val, I think Valtteri's got it in him. We saw last year, we saw glimpses of it, and after about six or seven races, we were like, geez, he's had a couple of wins and he's thrown a couple away just on mm. bad starts when he out-qualified Lewis. Um, look, he's he's got the potential to do it. Yeah. If there's any way to beat Lewis Hamilton, it is one-on-one in the same machinery. Agreed. <laughs> Doesn't happen very often, yeah. but when it does, Lewis, he just crumbles mentally. Or it seems like he crumbles mentally for a period. Mm. Uh, that's my take on him. No, I think it's good. Oh, look, I I love Mick Hacken, and obviously he's part of Valtteri's management team, so you'd hope that he'd be saying nice things <laughs> yeah. about him. Uh, yeah. But I tend to agree with him. But I think there's, I mean, it's Valtteri plus about four or five others who are going to be in that same kind of mindset. Um, to come straight back. Someone else I wanted to talk about very quickly is Esteban Ocon. I mean, he's been out of a Formula 1 car for a long time and for whatever reason, he's decided to pick Gran Turismo as the platform that he wants to spend his Idiot. online. Idiot, like, honestly, dude, like that is the... You thought, talking about Codemasters F1 2019 well being bad. Chess. Well, no, chess is better than that. I mean, <laughs> honestly, horrible. Um, but there's obviously going to be a little bit... probably more- thrown him some money. Obviously, uh, they're probably a sponsor, which is totally fine, but it's just a terrible game. It's, it's worse than F1 2019, which is hard to believe. Um, but there's been a lot of uh, a long time out of the time, car. The memory of the loading times on that, where it was a <laughs> disc that you had to insert, and there was like five of them. If you didn't get it right, I was like, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> The last, the Did last you time Campy, too? yeah, the last time Campy played anything <laughs> computer games, it was Super Nintendo. Um, but no, but Esteban Ocon though, I mean, he's he was fairly decent at the end of his time with Force India. Was that what they were called? Well, yeah, probably. Um, no, I can't remember what they were called back then. Back Not then, really. it was so long ago. But yeah. he was doing a good enough job next to Checo. My yeah, point for moments. this now is. But my, my point for now is it's been such a long time. I really think he's mm. going to bloody struggle. 
I don't think he'll struggle. I think the kid can drive, but he didn't dominate Checo. Nah, you know. I think, and if you he look was still at the, young. if you look at the track record that 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 guy's had against the drivers he's had, he's no different to a Hulkenberg or a Checo or in that class or a or a Roman Grosjean of the 2013-14 era when that Lotus was had a good motor. Mm. I don't yep. think he's much better than that. I genuinely think he's going to get found out this year. But Danny yeah. Rick is going to get spanked on one lap pace and spanked on race pace as well. I, you know, it's pretty clear cut for me. I don't I think Ocon's putting up much. The big the thing he had to improve for me was his maturity. And he made some stupid decisions mid-race, some stupid decisions in qualifying previously, and we saw some some crashes and things like that. He just couldn't <laughs> keep a cool head, much like a very young Max, but Max had much more talent to back it up with. That's the problem. I think I don't know if he can put it together and keep a cool head. In some adversity. Well, remember when he uh, remember when he took out Max when Max was in yeah. the lead at Brazil. Oh yeah, and Max went. Just Max like, went to fight him afterwards. Totally, and he yeah. ran away. That's it. But that's what I mean. I don't know if he's got that. So if he's improved his maturity, hopefully we can see another thing. But that was a huge thing for me that Ocon was missing. That was his second last race in F1 too. Mm-hmm. Remember? Mm. It's, it's it's there's no evidence since then. We had that potential when Hamilton was sick and he was called up and he was nearly about to race, and then Hamilton raced. Oh, the sore throat. <laughs> the sore throat. Camby's favourite. <laughs> the sore throat. Look, I don't rate Ocon highly. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what to think of him at the moment. Would you pick him or Giannavazzi? Ocon. Ocon. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'd pick Ocon too. Last year. <laughs> sucked. Interesting. Uh, he's I'm not, he's not much better in sim racing either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As I said, I, I don't think he's – he didn't des- – sorry, he didn't deserve to lose his spot in F1 no. when he did either. No. Yeah. There was just a lot of shuffle. Probably, to yeah, be honest, probably Hulk did. Well, Hulk if you look back on it now. A year earlier. Yeah, he wasn't I mean, contributing much, was now, he? I mean, Stroll mm. took his seat at Force India. Oh, sorry, Whatever it was called <laughs> after that tumultuous year, he yep. was supposed to go to be be going to Renault. Yeah, but Danny Rick took his seat at Renault and Hulk stayed. So that was kind <sighs> of he he got stuffed of two potential seats after where he was going to go. Yeah, yeah, but it's going to be interesting yeah, though, it, it, and I think F1. that's the big thing. And it, you're right, it is F1, and even someone like Nicholas Latifi, who who has come <laughs> out of F2 and never really Ooh. done anything in a Formula One car. Um, um, I reckon. Kibitza uh, is going to no, look I've good compared him. to Latifi, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kibitza is good. Jeez. Kibitza uh, is good. I but think Latifi's going to be a rude shock. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's playing too much bloody eSIM racing, and it's just he's not even that great in that. At least George oh, Russell is winning stuff. He's got such a stuff. stupid, earnest, punchable face Seriously. too. He needs to shut up. <laughs> how, is, how, is, how is George Russell? Yeah, i got more media and fanfare over winning eSports races. It's like, what? He's, yeah. What? It's, people I, I really love, like George, but this kind of off-season in the start of this non-season has been interesting. He's been – he's coming across a bit of a wanker. It's going to be very hard for him to be at the back That personality is not getting him any girls. Yeah. That's why he's getting the shirt off. What about the squid? Yeah, but literally, you haven't scored a point in Formula 1, pal. He got, Relax. He got beaten by Kubica last year. He did. Kubica had a point. Yeah, got beaten. So just hold on, Hot Pepper. No, just wait yeah, till we get there. Right. Well, there's lots more yeah. to come in terms of, I'm sure, the driver market debacle, but uh, I'm so glad, boys, that we finally have a date to go properly racing. I have been Four looking forward to this. Again. 
Oh, yeah. And we're going to have a little bit more of an in-depth uh, conversation ahead of Austria, uh, which will come up. And then we finally, boys, get to do a race recap in 2020. I'm bloody keen How do you do that, that again? Uh, look, we're going to have to go away and study at the Thomas J. Camp Driver Academy. In fact, it sounds like okay. a good time that for now. So, boys, it is goodbye for now. And we'll see you next time as we preview the Austrian Grand Prix. Yep. Uh, you're the driver in this operation. You just take us where you want to go. Yeah. All just right. just well, fucking well, host just, it, all right? Just bloody host it. Jeez. I'm going to tack that on the end. you got to manage like the talent, time. which is Campy and I. <laughs> manage the talent. <laughs> good topic. Good. <laughs> Do a better job of managing the talent, and then we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Boys, best of luck to me. Uh, boys, I've also been hit up by my auntie. She's not impressed by my language. <laughs> <laughs> really, really unimpressed. And I was like, well, if you're a regular listener, auntie Mark, <laughs> I'm happy to alter my language to suit you. But if you're just going to listen to the first five minutes and then turn it off, then <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. <laughs>